first degree. Son of God hanging on a hill. Hell was my destiny. The crowd was shouting, crucified. Could have come from these lips of mine. The dirty shame was killing me. It would take a miracle to wash me clean. Then I
to come rescue me then mercy heard my plea lord you found me you healed me you called me from the grave you gave me a real love i thank you jesus you washed my sins away I'm living, I'm forgiven. You came and set me free. That's what your mercy did for me. You gave me beauty for my guilty stains. And now I'm living day by day by your grace. So excuse me if I can't contain my praise Cause I know that I've been saved Lord, you found me, you healed me You called me from the grave You gave me a real love, thank you Jesus You washed my sins away Forgiven, He came and set me free. That's what Your mercy did for me. Every morning, mercy will restore me. I will Forgiven, you came and set me free. That's what your mercy did for me. That's what your mercy did for me. That's what your mercy did for me. thank you for this day God we thank you for your mercy we thank you for your grace God we thank you that we can come into this place and we just lift up our voices to worship you God I pray for the remainder of the service I pray for brother Daryl as he delivers your word God just uh, speak through him what you would have us to hear and God send us out from this place to your work in Jesus name I pray amen
Amen. You may be seated this morning. Children's Church today, meet Maddie at the Double Doors. Hallelujah. Okay, we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 3 again. This is the third week on this same text. We'll finish the, the third thought that comes from this text of Hebrews 3, 7 through 14. Obviously, there's a whole lot in that, in that section. We'll read that section again, Hebrews 3, 7 through 14. Uh, watch the Dennis, I'm going to kind of introduce this, watch the Dennis Swanberg video uh, last night. He's a Christian comedian and encourager. That's what he does. And so every time you watch him, it's going to be fun, you know, and, and, and encouraging. Uh, that's his job. That's what he's called to. And I watch that, and, and some messages that I have are, are like that. And those messages, the fun, the encouraging, uh, faith, hope, love, and just pound away at that faith, hope, love. And I, I love to preach those. And I, and I watched him, as he, and I, I just know how, he, I, I know how he feels. It's just fun to preach those. And that's all he does. And, and I wish that's all I had to do, you know, just preach to you faith, hope, and love. But I'm a pastor, and, and he's not. And, and I don't have the luxury of being able to preach, you know, just those, those three things. I have to preach uh, the, the broader spectrum of Scripture. So today is the, 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 the term will be the deceitfulness of sin. So we're going to talk about sin. Well, that's not faith, hope, and love. And that's not fun. But it's something that we need to hear right now to, to, today, right now. And uh, no doubt, in my, this is one of those messages where it's easy for us to sit and, and listen to someone preach and talk about what Scripture says about sin and, and then start picking out in our minds who that fits. You know, boy, that would fit her if she were here, you know, and that would fit him if he were here. Boy, I wish he, wish he was here to hear this, you know. I want you to be convinced of one thing, that God's a sovereign God. And that absolutely, no doubt in my mind, that everyone who's here this morning is here on purpose. Now, you may not feel that way. You may not feel like, well, I don't feel like God compelled me to come here. But you're here, and, and he knew you would be. He knew who would not be here, and he knew who would be here. And also, he knows who's going to watch this uh, with Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is. He knows who's, who's going to watch, and he knows who's not going to watch. And this is God's word for this time right now. This isn't for, you know, someone else. You know what I mean? It's for me. It's for you. Okay? Uh, Hebrews chapter 3. And we're gonna, we will zero in on that phrase that comes out of verse uh, 13. The deceitfulness of sin. Just before we read, I want to make sure everybody understands if, if, you, if you've been the past two weeks, watched, or been here, uh, the, the, less he, the Hebrew writer takes a lesson from the same story, the same Old Testament story. And I want to just real quickly make sure we all understand. He's, he's taking the lesson from the Old Testament story of the Israelites coming out of bondage in Egypt. And they go through the wilderness for a, a sh relatively short amount of time to the Jordan, and that's the boundary over into the promised land. And this is the incident where, he ref will refer to the incident where they're at the Jordan, they're ready to cross over, 
and Moses sends the 12 spies over into the promised land. The 12 spies come back. It's a great land, but they're giants there. Two of the spies, uh, Joshua and Caleb, say, we can do it. We can do it. The other 10 said, no, we can't. No, we can't. And they didn't. And so one of the most maddening, heartbreaking stories in the scripture where God's people are so close to doing exactly what God said to do, but fear and doubt and the deceitfulness of sin work their way in, okay? So that's the story, and you need to, you know, just need to be reminded of that. Well, that story is our story, okay? So uh, again, we'll read the same text we have for the last two weeks. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit said, now here's a quote out of Psalm, Psalm 95. Today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. We talked about that last week, hardened hearts. Don't harden your heart as in the day of rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for four, 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. There's a straying heart. And they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. If you're not going into the promised land, you will not enter my rest. So to that church, the writer says, and to our church, I say, therefore, beware. I'm warning you. Be, beware. Think about it. Pause. Beware, brethren and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. There's the third one, the evil heart of, of unbelief we covered last week. In departing from the living God, but exhort or encourage one another daily, every day. While it is called today, and I'll come back to that word, while it is called today, today, right now, this is the time, today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That's what's happened to cause this, through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. There's an outline of this on the backside of your announcements if you'd like to use that. The deceitfulness of sin. It's tricky, isn't it? Because that word deceitful, we, I think most of us are pretty aware, pretty aware of what sin is. Disobedience, there's so many ways to put that. To uh, not do, you know, to not do what you know you should, to do what you know you shouldn't, uh, to break God's law, sin. But the deceitfulness of sin, and that's the tricky part because it's the, it's tricky. That's really the good word for it, isn't it? it, it the deceitfulness of sin is tricking you into thinking, I'm not, sure some, I'm not so sure it's tricking you into thinking that this isn't sin. I think it's tricking you into thinking that somehow it's okay. In the story that he's referring to, they were told, no uncertain terms, you are to go into the promised land. Now, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to what God said. I'm going to take care of you and watch over you. But you are to go into the promised land. So somehow the deceitfulness of sin tricked them almost to make you think that somehow it's okay to not trust God. That somehow to not go into the promised land is okay. 
That's not at all what God said. But somehow this deceit, well, I know what God said. I'm almost getting ahead of myself here. I'm trying not to. But somehow it's okay to not trust God. And somehow it's okay to not obey God. This deceiving that, well, yeah, I know, but. That's, you, you, you hear that a lot, don't, don't you? I, I do. I know. I know what the Bible says, but. Why don't you not add that word, but, and just say, I know what the Bible says, so that's what I'm going to do. And we, and we need to reach that. Well, I know what the Bible says, but. I know what God, uh, you know, I know what God wants. I know what God expects, but. And so it's the deceitfulness of sin that's deceived us into somehow thinking that it's okay. If you're looking at your outline, the next one, the, just, just, we're going to deal with that word deceit. That sin is not really that bad. Sin's not really that bad. What's the big deal? Boy, I could really... I'm going to move along. I'm going to move along quick. I'm I'm going to try to. But wow, our culture is so big into this right now. And so many folks in church, out of church, there's so many folks folks everywhere, everywhere we go. Sin's not really that bad. What's the big deal? I want to remind us of this, that we need to be reminded about every once in a while. And that's what the pastor there was doing. That's what I'm trying to do is that sin really is a big deal because of what it costs. Here's what happens a lot. Well, uh, I cannot count the number of times people have told me, well, I'm going to go ahead and do it and then ask forgiveness. Is that really what God intended? Absolutely not, and you know it. Okay, absolutely not, and you know it. You're just trying to convince yourself that it's, that it's okay. That's the deceitfulness of sin. I'm just going to go ahead and do it, then ask, ask, ask forgiveness. Sin's not really that bad. It, what's, what's the big deal? The big deal of sin, the, the reason that it's that bad, is because of the cost of it. And here's the theological point that I hammer away at. And sometimes you may wonder, why is he making such a big deal about this? It's the difference between God forgives you of your sin and God paid for your sin. There's the difference. Well, aren't, aren't they the same? Well, they, they need to be the same. But I think sometimes we want to grab hold of and, and claim that God forgives us of our sin. Well, he certainly does. I, I see a lot of church signs that don't go far enough. And they, and they talk about, I sin, God forgives. I sin, God, God forgives. Well, he certainly does, but there's a cost to the forgiveness. It isn't that God just turns his head. It isn't that God just says, oh, oh, well, I understand, you know, boys will be boys kind of thing. I, you know, I understand that they're human. It isn't about that at all. It isn't that God just forgives. I want you to get that theological uh, mistake out of our head, and I'll keep at it, okay, week after week, after week to, to, to let you know that it isn't that God just forgives sins, but he paid for it. How did he pay for it? By the blood of Jesus Christ on an old rugged cross. That's how it was paid for. It wasn't just forgiven. It was paid for. That's why sin's a big deal. It's because of the cost of grace. That's why grace is not cheap. You will not hear cheap grace preached here, we need some t-shirts made. I need to put that on, on our church sign. You will not hear cheap grace preached here. And I hadn't really planned on saying it like that, but that sounds pretty good. 
You will not hear cheap grace preached here. Because grace is not cheap and it's not free. It was bought for. It was paid for by the precious blood of Jesus. Now, what I want you to do is to imagine this. And I, I honestly can't think of the scenario. I need you to, to use your imagination and to think of a scenario where maybe somebody that you love or somebody that you know, is they get themselves in a predicament. And they get themselves in a situation where they desperately need help. Desperately need help. They're going to die. Or worse, they desperately need help. And you can help them by sacrificing one of your children. Of course, really the only people in the room who can really get that are parents. By sacrificing one of your children. Now see, that's where you will agree with me. Kind of hard to think of a situation like that, isn't it? But just imagine that that would be possible. That somebody, a friend of yours, would get themselves in a situation where the only way that they can be helped is if you sacrifice one of your children. Uh, try that. Just try imagining that. Let's say you did that. And they were saved. They were brought back. They were healed. Let's just say that. But let's say down the road, they forgot how much their salvation, how much their healing cost. It cost your child. And they went back and did the same thing again. And they went back and they got themselves into the same predicament again. And they told you, well... It's not a big deal. Okay, you're the one that gave your child, though. And you're saying, no. <laughs> it's everything to me. It's everything to me, what I gave for you. And you're acting like it's no big deal. Now, say, well, that's not, yeah, it is the same thing. It is the same thing. I've often thought it's hard to compare the two. But let's just think about that. If you were Jesus on the cross, okay, that's terrible. Jesus on the cross sacrificing himself for you and for me. That's terrible, terrible way to die. Okay, there's one thing. The other thing is what? The Father, God the Father watching. His Son, the public execution of His Son. Which one's worse? I, I know which one's worse. I can't imagine there are many fathers in the room who wouldn't say, I'd rather die than watch my child die. I can't imagine there's many moms in the room who wouldn't say, I would much rather be the one on the cross than the one watching my child on the cross. Can you at all feel what I'm trying to get you to feel. This is the cost of our sin. This is the cost of not trusting God. This is the cost of disobeying God. This is the, the extreme opposite of the person who says, oh well, God will just forgive me. 
Well, he certainly is in the forgiving business because he's in the dying business. And he's in the suffering business. And he's in the paying business. And he's in the redeeming business. And that's what it cost him. So that's why you'll never hear cheap grace preached here. And cheap grace taught here. Sin is not really that bad. What's the big deal? The big deal is Jesus hanging on a cross. And I need to remember that every time I think, oh, well, it's not a big deal to not trust God. It's not a big deal to not, not obey what I know that God has said. The second one, as they were there at the Jordan, and time and again, I kind of dealt with this a little bit uh, somewhat last week. Slavery wasn't really that bad. <laughs> Slavery wasn't really that bad. Going back is better than going forward. I, I, I did spend some time with that, uh, with that last week. But we get to, if we're not careful, the deceitfulness of sin, we forget, in, in their cases, going back to Egypt. Oh, let's just go back. Slavery wasn't that bad. Oh, really? Have you forgotten? For us, it's, uh, it's not Egypt. But sin, the, the sin I've had to deal with in the past really wasn't that bad. So I go back. Going backward is better than going forward. And we so easily forget that what sin is. We don't think about it. And this is what, I'm, what I want you to do right now is just when that temptation to sin comes and the deceitfulness of sin says, it's not that bad. You know, it's, in fact, it's great. In fact, it's good. Uh, it feels good for a season, God's word says. And it's what I call the insanity of sin. If you, I'm not going to do that, but if you go to the story of King Saul and the story of the Amalekites, and uh, for you who are uh, in my small group on Wednesday night, we're going through the book of Esther. This may not seem like the two associate with each other at, at all, but I want you to, uh, it wouldn't hurt, hurt at all this week to look at and find the association between Saul and the Amalekites and the book of Esther. So Saul's been told to kill all the Amalekites. And, and in, anyway, when you read that story, it's the insanity of sin. It's the insanity of Saul. The sin really isn't that bad, and we've forgotten what it really is like, Okay. Really was, I don't want to spend a lot of time there, so I'm going to go on to the next one. And that's uh, 10 to 2. When the Israelites were there at the Jordan and 10 spies were sent, 12 spies were sent, 10 spies come back, say, We can do it. Two spies came back. 10, spi <laughs> ten spies came back, say, We can't do it. Two spies come back and say, we can. Two people said, we can obey what God said. Ten people said, no, we can't obey what God said. Ten to two, that somehow it's okay to be one of the ten instead of one of the two. But somehow what God says applies to some of us, but not all of us. But somehow what the Bible says applies to some, but not all. That it might, you know, the deceitfulness of sin says, I, I see what the Bible says, but. I see what the Bible says, but, you know, that's okay for you. But, and I got the thought for this 
uh, if you drive a car, the, uh, the, insan <laughs> the insanity of sin, if you drive a car, uh, do any of you run across the person who says, well, the traffic rules are okay for you, but not for me? Okay. Now, some of you are really, you just really don't want me to deal with this, that there's a speed limit out there. Okay, right here is where, let's just make everybody mad right now and get it all over with, that there's a speed limit out there, but that speed limit is for you. It's not for me. Okay. And so, it's, and so the deceitfulness of sin says, it's okay if I speed. Okay, just everybody get mad, we'll get over it, and we'll move on. And you want me to move on right now, and I'm going to. But it's the, yeah, it's okay for everybody else to not speed, but I'm going to speed. Okay, it's the 10 to 2. The, the, the road signs apply to some of us, but not all of us. The Bible applies to some of us, but not all of us. And I got the idea of us going up to a four-way stop, some of you may need to go to four-way stop school, okay? But I think a lot of you, and a lot of people need to go to four-way stop school. And I wouldn't mind to take some time after church and just do a four-way stop school. And then the flashing yellow light, some of you need to go to a flashing yellow light school. So I'm, at the, I'm coming up to the four-way stop. I'm clearly the first one there. The, ne the guy next to me on my right. And there's a queue there, but you're not going to get it. But I, so I'm clearly the first one there. The guy on my right come, comes up, not even close. He just keeps on going. He's going to turn left right in front of me. Okay? He just keeps on going. And so I uh, roll down my window and I say, aren't you special? Aren't you special? That the four-way stop. Now, aren't you special? Uh, I'm going to do this for Tony Bird, who had to go to the airport, and he's not here live, but I have a feeling he's going to watch this live stream, and so this is for him. I'm kind of glad he's not here, all right, uh, because some of you would have said something else, wouldn't you? But all I said was, aren't you special? And what I should have done is he's turning left in front of me. I should have kept going and made him go like this all the way around, but I didn't. Aren't you special? And there's my preaching tip. I'll, I'll, I'll use anything, okay? I'll use anything I can get. The answer is no. You're not. Now, we're all unique. We're all loved by God. And so in that way, yes, all of us are special. You're unique. You're loved by God. You're not like anyone else. He created you uniquely. But when it comes to sin, the deceitfulness of sin says, I realize that it's wrong, but I'm going to do it any anyway. And it's, you know, I realize you need to obey, but I don't because I'm special. Now, hardly anybody ever admits that. Or thinks that way. But the deceitfulness of, of, of sin really is doing that to you. Because somehow you think it's okay for you. The, the, the ten looked at the two and said, well, I know what God said. The, the, the ten heard what God said. 
You're supposed to cross the Jordan and go into the promised land. That's what I'm t- God said, that's what I'm telling you to do. And the ten looked at the two and said, all right, yeah, I mean, I'm, I heard it too. I, I, I heard what God said too. And, and I know you're just doing what God said to do, but we don't think we can do it. And we don't think we should do it because we're special. And that somehow it's okay to not go across the Jordan. Somehow it's okay. They're deceived. Now, it gets tougher right here. Because here's the other, there's no more uh, screens. It just gets tougher right here. Somehow we're deceived that God's not going to do anything about it. I need you to get real quiet here. Somehow we're deceived that it's, you know, it's okay. I can do what I want. It's okay if other people do it. And I, you know, it's, I, it's, it's all right, but no, it's not all right. And we're deceived in thinking that God's not going to do anything about it. But he is going to do something about it. And here's what I want you to hear this morning. I need you to hear this right now. I not only believe he's going to do something about it, I think he is doing something about it right now in your life. I think, I think the consequences of sin, the judgment of God, is happening in your life right now. It's not that it's going to start. It has started. It's not that it's in the future. Oh, what's God going to do? It's not what God's going to do. It's what he's doing right now. There is always going to be a consequence for sin. There's always going to be a judgment of, uh, for sin. Now, that's, that's not faith, hope, hope, and love. That's judgment of sin. And that's what Jesus died on a cross to forgive us of our sin, but there is still that consequence of sin if we continue in it, if we choose it. There's still that consequence. There's still that judgment of sin that you cannot get away from. You cannot bypass it, and I don't believe that it's going to start so much as it has already started. I'm going to refer to something a long conversation I had with a young man the first of the week. I talked to our Wednesday night group about it a little bit. I just want to touch on one part. The young, the young man had a lot, of, a lot of questions about the end times, judgment, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And we, we talked a lot about that. But he asked me, he said, do you believe, he asked me, he said, do you believe that the United States is going to be judged for the, the moral condition that we're in? For the lack of obedience, just the moral condition that we're in. Do you believe that, that God's going to judge the United States? I said, no, I, th- I think you're saying it wrong. I don't think it's that God's going to. I think that God is. I think it's already started. Okay? And you may not agree with that, and that's okay, and you might be right. But if you ask my opinion, I'm going to give it to you. I believe it's already started. I don't think it's something to look for. I think it's something to look at. We're looking at it. It's judgment of sin. If a nation thinks they can live any way they want to, if they think that they can disobey God's law any way they want to and God's never going to do anything about it, that nation is deceived. If an individual thinks that they can just do whatever they want to because somehow they're special 
And they can act any way they want to. They can think any way they want to. They can treat other people any way they want to. They can treat God any way they want to. And God's just going to sit there and God's just going to watch that forever. They are incredibly deceived. If I believe it, I'm incredibly deceived. If you believe it, you are incredibly deceived. God will act and he is acting right now in your life. And maybe you're not seeing it. Why? You're deceived. You have gotten in your head that somehow I can act, do, say, think, anything I want, and it's okay with God. No, it's not. I'm here to tell you God sent me today to tell those who watch and to those who are here are in person the judgment of God is real. The judgment of God is active right now. What do I do? What do I do? Repent. There, I'm not going to make it fancy. I'm not going to make it harder than it is. It's that old-fashioned biblical word, repent. What's repent mean? Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your way. Change the direction that you're heading in. You're heading one way, and you thought it was okay. You're going through the four-way stop when you shouldn't. What do you do? Put it in reverse. Back up. Let the other guy go the way the law says you should. Act the way you should. Repent. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your heart. Repent. Repent. Turn. Will that do it? Yes. <laughs> I wish I could make it more complicated. Yes. I mean, that's all there is to it? Yes. In Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me and help me repent. I'm going the wrong way. I'm thinking the wrong way. I'm acting the wrong way. I'm saying the wrong way. I'm talking the wrong way. I'm looking at the wrong stuff. I'm, I'm just not where I need to be. I'm not where I'm supposed to be, and I know it. And I'm not pretending any, anymore. This is not where I'm supposed to be, whatever it is. So, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. And I know that that means it costs you your life. But I receive that. I, sh I, sure, I certainly do. I receive that. Now, Jesus, help me to turn around, repent, because that's what I need to do. Now, I'm going to ask the band to come on up. This is where, on a message like this, this is where no, nobody comes. <laughs> okay? Why? Because you're scared to. This is where the deceitfulness of sin says, well, this message is for a few of us. You know very well this message isn't for a few of us. This message is for what? All of us. Why? Because all of us have struggled from time to time with that, with that crazy issue of sin, that insane issue of sin. So I just, I just want to remind all of us in the room that this, this message isn't just for one of us or a few of us but it's all of us. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and, and listen to the Holy Spirit. Every week when we come, there's, it's, it's different because different things have, have happened that week. But if you're here this morning and, and it's not me, but it's the Holy Spirit, Dealing with us, not just you, not just the person next to you, but it's me also, and it's all of us. But if the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, and, and, 
as the Bible was preached, the Holy Spirit just came alongside of you and said, this is you. This is you. If you need to come, nobody's going to come to a message like this because they want to, but it's because they need to. I'll respond to a message like this because I need to. Lord, that's what I need. I need to get, I just, I need to be right with you. And right now, because of whatever, I'm not. And I know I'm not. The Holy Spirit's made it very plain to me that I'm not. But I want to be. I want to be right with you. I want to make things right. Lord, I want to repent. I want to repent. I need to repent. If you need to come to an altar, you know what? I'm just like you. You're just like me. I need those times of repentance. If you need to come to an altar and pray and repent, that's what these altars are for. You can come and stand, kneel, sit. You do as the Holy Spirit leads you. Yeah. 
Yeah.